So I'm speaking with Emmy-winning composer Anton Sanko, who has uh, done amazing work on shows like Big Love and films like The Last Winter and Rabbit Hole, among many others. And his most current score is for the thriller The Possession. Uh, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thank you, Kaya. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I guess to start off, uh, I was wondering, how did you get into music, and and what made you want to pursue film and film and TV composing, especially? Um, those are two separate questions. I got into music because uh, I came from a very artistic family, and uh, I thought I was going to be a painter or a fine artist. Uh, but my brother was three years younger. When he started uh, also painting, he was incredibly guilty. He was a child prodigy, and it made me, I felt, I felt squashed. <laughs> so I needed to find another outlet, so I, I started uh, studying music as my form of outlet. Mm -hmm. uh, simultaneously, uh, my father introduced us to all the Bond movies when we were really young, and I, we, my brother and I just loved all of that music, and we used to uh, run around the apartment singing all the James Bond <laughs> uh, music, you know, with fake guns going down, 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 down. And it became, uh, you know, a little obsession of mine throughout my life. And finally, at a certain point, the two the two obsessions came together. Yeah, I, I love, uh, that was a big part of uh, my growing up, too, with the Bond films. I, I'm going to get the, you know, the giant Blu-ray box set coming out next month, so I can't wait. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, so I saw that. Uh, so, uh, I guess before we, we talk about The Possession, I'm wondering, what are your favorite uh, horror films, and what movies or scores, I guess more appropriately, scare you? Oh, well, there's so many. Of course, the first one that comes to mind is The Shining, and that is just, uh, you know, everything about that is is is, uh, is just perfect. I mean, the scoring and the use of source music together mm -hmm. are brilliant. You know, the stuff that Wendy Carlos did was, was just, you know, uh, groundbreaking for its time and still very powerful. Um, you know, and then I even, I love stuff like The Evil Dead, you know, uh, that was, I mean, I saw that when it first came out in the theaters, and that just really, you know, changed my life, and then you go all the way back, you know, the the, 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 Frank, the first Frankenstein, all that stuff, mm -hmm. just brilliant, so, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a range of stuff that's, I just, really great filmmaking that I really, really enjoy. So now with The Possession, you enter, you know, a genre that you're, you're no stranger to. Uh, in your view, what makes a good thriller or a horror score? Score? Yeah. What, what, well, what? I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of thematic writing, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I really like it when somebody, you know, uh, when a composer and a director allows him to, uh, comes up with uh, some, some themes that, are, that you know, uh, evoke the... Uh, the anxiety of the film and still can, can take you, you know, to the place that the film wants to go, that the director wants you to go. A great example of that is, is the score to Cape Fear and the way that, that is married in there. That is just brilliant writing, brilliant thematic writing, and incredibly upsetting. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> and, you know, you hear those you hear those horns and you go, oh my God. Right. So that is a perfect example. So did you, did you take that approach to the possession? And, you know, what was your goal musically with the film? Well, I mean, there were some certain things. I, I mean, I, want, I did want to write thematically, and, uh, of course, I mean, I feel like, you know, Bernard Herrmann is, is also part of my DNA, so there's, you know, some of, there's a, you know, a few nods in there to him. Uh, but I also wanted to, in this particular film, you know, there's, I don't, there's a certain a, a Judaic mysticism that's a big part of this film that's an underlying topic, mm -hmm. and I wanted to so explore that as a possibility for some of the music. 
so I did a lot of research in that in that um, of those vernaculars and you know Jewish mysticism and and the instrumentations used, and I find I found myself drawn to a lot of the modal uh, writing that is prevalent in that kind of music and incorporating that into my score. Right. Yeah. I mean, I saw the film last night, and I definitely felt they had a whole kind of a layered richness and and quality to the music. So. Okay. Good. And uh, so, in the film, there are quite a few moments uh, where score takes over completely with, you know, all diegetic sound drowning out, and there are also moments, you know, where the score falls completely silent. Uh, what different emotional effects uh, do those two techniques accomplish? Well, I mean, you know, fortunately, I was working with a director who was really open to that kind of uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's very brave and has a lot of, uh, you know... I guess, for lack of a better word, on Hollywood uh, ideas about the way music should be should be incorporated into a film and, and can work. A fine example of what you're talking about is um, there's a scene when the young girl runs away, and uh, it's at night, and uh, the father is, is trying to find her, and he, she's looking frantically and, ch- and chasing after her. And I think everybody's first initial instincts, all the people from the you know the studio and everybody, everybody at first wanted to have you know. Hollywood kind of, you know, percussive driving music while we're looking for this girl, and it's very frantic. Right. And uh, Ole end- ended up doing exactly the opposite of what anyone anticipated. He ended up, like you said, dropping out all the sounds, except for, you know, some very faint reverby type, um, uh, type, type stuff of the dad calling. And also, um, and also, sorry, and also, uh, you know that he just put he wants his his musical reference there was uh uh throbbing gristle, which mm. is you know so <laughs> completely unexpected and uh that's what we went in that direction I think it's incredibly effective i think it's one of the more effective scenes in the in the picture i mean not, I think the whole thing is really great, but I think that scene really is one of the standouts and yeah. even at the mix, some people were like, "What the hell is going on here when they were doing the final top of the score of the, of the picture?" So people were really like, "What is this?" You know, but for the most part, it, <laughs> the most part, it was really successful. And so, when you're looking at a scene like that, in you know, when it's like kind of score overtakes and takes center stage, do you is that decided in the spotting session or in editing, or are they like, "Oh, maybe we should just drown out all the sound"? Like, did they have that intention from the? Did you have the intention from the get go? Well, there's another scene where that happens, and all I had wanted had described the scene as he wanted it to sound like all the air had been sucked out of the mo- out of a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where the girl is sitting on a swing, and then her stepfather—I don't want to give too much away—but you know, not such good things happen to him, and he and she he drives away in a panic, and and uh, and he, the girl is, is 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 in a very fully you know possessed moment, and she's really not in a good place, and right. he wanted. Uh, he wanted all the sounds to. He wanted to sound like you were in a vacuum all of a sudden, and then the music is just. Uh, this is where I'm doing like this, this obsessive meditation on a single piano note. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't something that was. It was something that we came to as a, as a result of experimentation back and forth. I actually went and visited with the you know some of the sound designers, and we discussed what was going on, and really tried to make a, a, per- a perfect marriage there to make sure we weren't stepping on each other's toes, and and we were reaching you know the wanted goal. Right. And I, I love I love how you use the piano too to, to to be both kind of dissonant and foreboding, but also used it to suggest kind of a warm and, and loving past with the characters and the family. Does the the piano's duality make it the perfect instrument for a film like this? Well, the, the, 
we we decided early on that we wanted the piano to be sort of like the overseeing observer who knew more about what was going on in the picture than the than the family themselves or even the audience. Mm-hmm. So the family, the piano had to had to be able to serve both both roles, as you noticed. Uh, um, it, it, it is it is you know the perfect instrument for that because it, it can it can do both both very nicely. I mean, it has both the full range that I would need to do that. Right. And was it challenging? Because one thing about horror films that I think is essential is that you need to humanize the characters and really, get, you know, have the audience attached to them emotionally. Was that is that a challenge in a, in a horror film musically? You know, when the goal is also to thrill the audience, is it hard to to really interject some characterization in there? Well, I mean, uh, it was very clear from the beginning that this movie was, you know, Ole Ole hates the idea of of just this being called a horror film. And to him, this is actually a uh, an exploration to what happens to a family in the wake of a divorce. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a this is, and even when I first had my initial phone conversations about this movie, it was really only talking about the family, and and and, and that's what we're studying. This is a, that's why I think this movie is particularly successful because you become very engrossed in this particular family and the, the child and the and the, the parents and the. You, you kind of love them and you feel for them, and that's uh, what we wanted very strongly the music to be able to support. And, and it, it, it came across uh, very successfully. It did, it did feel, because you do spend a lot of time with the characters before you know you jump into the, the whole story with the, the Diddick box and everything, so it, it uh, all worked out very well. Okay, good. <laughs> and, and uh, well, I guess to, to wrap things up, um, I always like to ask composers, if you had the opportunity to score... Any movie ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer, what film would you choose? Well, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> the first one that jumped to mind was Nosferatu. Ooh, very good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be uh, incredibly fun to do. Lots of opportunity there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a good one. No one has ever said that, and. Uh, but uh, thank you so much, Anton, for uh, taking the time to, to speak with me. I'm actually a really huge. I really love The Last Winter, the way your, your music interjects with uh, Jeff Grace's score. So it was a really great honor to take the time. Oh, to great, man. To. Thank you. So, thank you so much. Um, but I uh, wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we get to do this again sometime in the future. I would love it. Thank you so much, Kaya. Mm-hmm.